bitch thoughts Sports news that top You know Chris said uh, Who got you taking all the shots Tell me like who got traded, who did not And what's the latest, well let's debate Just trust the process, you know we got this in-depth analysis Who's the baddest? Yes, right here, behind the line No bout, there's no crime Like and one, go for two Three, pull and drop to the hoop We cover it all inside the park The newest stud up from the bar It's deeper stalks DTB, you're tuned into the best you'll see Welcome to the Deepish Thoughts Podcast, episode number 20. I'm Chris Horwardell, joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu, the big 2-0 for us this week. It's a landmark. It's, it's incredible, and I'm excited. Wow. Does that mean, what, one more episode so we can start drinking? Oh, no? that's, that's the most predictable joke in the history of jokes, Anshu Kana. <laughs> well, I've but never professed to be a funny man. You know <laughs> but it, it is true. We can drink next week. So that's going to be, and awesome. we will be. We will absolutely be drinking during the show next week. Yeah, I'm normally driving on my way home from work during these, so it makes perfect sense to be doing that as well. I think you should, and it's going to be a very interesting reality kind of podcast because I am going to alert the police. <laughs> wow, a classic car chase during Deepish Socks. I love it. That's true. People will definitely listen to that and... Yeah, the, the the viewership has been very good, and uh, we should take a second to, to thank you guys for listening because we really do appreciate it. We really do appreciate the positive ratings. Uh, the the comments keep coming in. We're consistently, you know, consistently in the top two hundred of the sports professional podcasts, and uh, frequently in the top two hundred of the regular sports. That is, that's great. You know, the the website is only a year and a half old. You know, almost. Uh, a year and three quarters old, so we're still babies, but things are going great. Yep. And uh, thank you guys for listening. It genuinely does mean a lot to us. It does, both of us. And listen to the other shows. Listen, we've got six shows on the network right now. We've got two more, which are going to premiere in about a week, and uh, potentially two more after that in the next coming weeks. You know, if if you like golf, we've got Bogey Free. If you like. Uh, if you like listening to two guys talk about sports, we've got Anshu's other show. We've uh, what else have we got? And I guess we also have Shooting the Breeze with Charles and Brandon. Uh, if you want to hear two idiots talk about the UFC, there's Greg and I show UFC commentaries. Uh, if you happen to like the Phoenix Suns, we've got Sunny and Phoenix, which is doing just great since coming in a couple of weeks ago. Great, that's a great show. Those guys, they know what they're doing. They're uh, they are pros, and they deserve. Uh, I think they're four and a half stars right now. The reviews are really good. They deserve uh, they deserve every bit of that. But listen to everything. Check it out. Sample it. You know, feel free to review and comment on on more than one show. It's certainly appreciated. And uh, and again, yeah, thank you. Um, so we've got baseball starting, but I, I feel like there isn't a lot of great baseball stuff to really talk about just yet. I've got uh, I've got. A decent amount from a number of sports. Let's start. Let's start in the NFL, and uh, we'll work our way around to the NFL draft a little bit later. I wanted to talk to you about this last week, but I completely forgot about it. Read an article prior to the show last week um, talking about Charlie Garner. Have you have you heard these claims from Charlie Garner, aren't you? I have not. Please uh, do tell. So Charlie Garner, never known as the smartest person in the world claims that he got up to 12 concussions a year while playing in the NFL. Wow. Yeah. That is, uh, that's 
that's a lot. It is. I, that, yeah. That's, that's uh, yeah. What, what Did he say that there are any lingering uh, effects of that, of those concussions, or is this separate from, like, the idea of, you know, subconcussive trauma, like CTE? You know, I honestly do not remember the specifics. I do not remember hearing anything about uh, specific issues that Garner suffering. Sorry, I was counting the number of seasons that he played in the NFL, and it was 10, which would lead us to upwards of 120 concussions for Charlie Garner. Oh, my God. You, would not, you wouldn't remember your name at that point. I don't mean to make light of it. I'm only making light of it because yeah, it's, no. such, it's such an absurd claim. It's like uh, in Vars in uh, not Varsity Blues. What was the movie uh, making mocking Varsity Blues? Was it uh, not another teen movie <laughs> where Billy Bob's got like the concussion counter <laughs> on the scoreboard, and it's like one more concussion until something bad happens. So it seems kind of like that sort of story. Yeah, unfortunately, I missed not another teen movie. Oh wow, you are missing out. That is an under the radar laugh out loud funny movie let me ask you let's not talk about sports right now what what's your favorite bad movie what's the one movie that you acknowledge this is terrible but every time it's on you want to watch it oh man um does euro trip count euro trip is great great. i love that movie yeah and i get made fun of a lot by my buddies i'm sure i will be again for saying it here but um, I like Euro Trip. I like not another teen movie. It's um, I think you laugh more than you think at that film. Uh, does Van Wilder count? Are we putting that in the not bad movie? I don't file? know. I don't know. I don't know if I would say. I think Van Wilder's neutral, to be honest with you, even though it was a National Lampoon's movie. Right. Okay. So uh, you'll notice a theme. Most of mine yeah. are funny. So um, did you have like a bad? good movie you know like i have a very specific movie that i acknowledge is terrible and i love it and that is a that is the samuel l jackson ll cool j vehicle deep blue sea i have had it with these motherfuckers yeah uh, well thank you for the explicit rating for this week but yes yes that is the line from the film I stopped at the wrong word. Uh, you did. Yeah. You did. Sharks wasn't going to get us in I'm any just trouble. An anti-shark guy. What can I... <laughs> the scene where uh, that giant shark eats Samuel L. Jackson is just—that's pretty uh, terrible. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I love that movie. I, ugh, I don't think I've got like I would. I could go to like all our childhood type movies. You know, like if you want to go down like the Cool Runnings path or mm. Mighty Ducks. Um, I know one of my best friends would say Encino Man. That's one oh. that he enjoys. I'm I'm not on that. Um, or like one of the Arnold movies. Basically, any of the Arnold movies. Do do those qualify? What are the? I'm sorry. Excuse my ignorance here. What are the Arnold movies? Oh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not I mean, some of some of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies were okay. I mean, you know, obviously Jingle All the Way wasn't the greatest film to ever been created, but yes. Uh, but yeah, some of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies are solid. Like the Predator is very solid. True Lies. True Lies is very solid. I've always been a fan of Eraser, although that may qualify as a bad movie. What about Batman Forever? That okay, that that one. Is... I actually made uh, I made my girlfriend watch that um, probably like a month and a half ago because we were we were on a we were on a you know a Christopher Nolan Batman kick, and I was like, look, you know. 
you've got to see this. Like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Because I was just doing a search. I think I was looking to see if uh, Dark Knight Rises was on on demand. And I found I found Batman Returns. I was like, look, you have to you have to have to watch this. And I forgot how terrible it was. Like, I knew it was awful. Like, I knew it was really, really, really bad. But I forgot. Yeah. I remembered. Uh, I remembered the the ice skating fight. I, all the crazy oh. Mister Free stuff. I forgot about the bat card. What about the penguin? Uh, oh. Was that bad or was that Batman Return? It was. It was Batman Forever, wasn't it? I don't. Wh- whichever one. You, I think you're right about it. it. Was Batman Forever? I'm pretty sure I misspoke. But, yeah. Yeah. The oh my god. The, there's a hockey fight for some reason. Wow. There's the bat. You know, Clooney pulls out the bat card. I just love it's Clooney. And, and the bat nipples. Let's not forget bat nipples. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Great um, cast. I think we can agree. I think Batman Forever is probably one of my favorite movies. And if it's on, I'll, I'll throw it on just for the comedy of just a fun man, you know? Yeah, and what a just really, really, really good cast. Oh, I guess, no, no, I'm going to go ahead and I'm looking at this right now. Uh, Batman Forever was actually uh, Val Kilmer and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. It was Batman Returns then, right? We're gonna. I mean, we're gonna. I got IMDb open here, so. Bat. No, Batman Returns was Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito. This was Batman and Robin. Wow. Oh, okay. Okay. So you got uh, Chris. Uh, Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. Yep. Yeah. Schwarzenegger, Clooney, oh. Chris O'Donnell, Uma Thurman, Nicole Alicia Silverstone. Or no. Yeah. It's okay, yeah. Okay. It's um. Great, I'm getting a, my Batman's confused. Absolutely great cast, and just a just a terrible, terrible film. It's like Ocean's Twelve, <sighs> awful movie, despite a very good cast. Yeah, Ocean's Twelve had one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in a film, where they pretend Julia Roberts is Julia Roberts. Oh yeah, that's just, yeah. Come just, on, no, don't do that. You're anyways. better than that. I loved Ocean's Eleven. Oh, Ocean's Eleven's great. Ocean's Thirteen kind of rediscovered some of the quality of Ocean's Eleven, I thought, but Ocean's Twelve was uh, just a disaster. What do you think of this uh, Ocean's Eight all-female remake? Could be good. I'm not going to judge it till I see it, which I may or may not. But <laughs> who knows? It could oh, be good. Boy. I mean, it's, I'm just, I'm just looking know, at I'm looking at some of this cast right now and. Uh, you know, there's there's people at the top who are very interesting. Apparently, Matt Damon's Linus Caldwell shows up in it. Um, okay. You know, Sandra Bullock, Art. Anne Hathaway, Sarah Paulson, Kate Blanchett, uh, Katie Holmes is in it, Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, but then there's some weird names. Dakota Fanning is in it. Some weird names like, uh, I mean, this is going to be tough to talk about for a Green Bay fan, but former Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Mrs. Aaron no. Rogers, Olivia Munn's in it. Uh, um Rihanna is in it, and then then it gets rough with people like Kendall Jenner and Kim Kardashian. Ooh, okay, that sounds like it's trying too hard. I was hoping it would just be kind of like the classier names, and you know, I mean, one of the best things about Ocean's Eleven is like the latter guys on that were not, especially at that time, weren't like big actors. You know, I mean, mm. um, Casey like, Affleck. Casey Affleck was nothing then, and, yeah. and um, that. I mean, that movie kind of, I don't want to say put him on the map, but certainly was one of his first that you could cite, first movies that you could cite that he was in. So um, I thought that was kind of the best part of it. Was It was kind of like uh, building a sports team to bring it mm-hmm. full circle. Like you've got your stars and then you've got your role guys. And that's sort of, they kind of uh, like, 
you know, support the best player, best yeah. stars, and that made it so that made it better, in my opinion. It was an excellent, excellent film, and uh, let's let's turn our attention to the world of sports and let's let's go talk God forbid. about yeah well you know there's always more uh always more terrible movies to talk about like the ghostbusters remake for instance the all girls ghostbusters remake which was an atrocity Did not catch that one yeah you, you're better off uh okay so the rams not going to pick up the 2018 option on uh, number two overall pick in 2014 greg robinson how big a bust oh. is this guy been man man that's got to be like how rare is it to not pick up the option in this day and age when you see everyone getting paid? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I mean, disaster. Oh, unmitigated disaster. I, it, name a bigger disaster over the last five years in terms of a draft pick. Like, because not only did they not pick up the option, and not only has he been poor and they spent a second-round pick on him, but mm-hmm. in combination with all those things, he's been on the roster taking up a roster spot for them. So it's mm-hmm. not like... At least with Johnny Manziel, like, he's gone, and you don't have to worry about him anymore. Like, this guy's been taking up a spot the last few years and was a second-round pick. Second overall pick, yeah. Sorry, second overall, that's what I meant. Absolutely. Just, just crazy. And, I mean, one of the reasons that this team has just not been good, I'm, uh, I am was looking for the, the PFF player grades, but this, the website's being difficult for me right now. Um I don't I don't know. This is this is a big part of the reason why this Rams team is as bad as they are. Like you can't mm-hmm. you can't blow the number 2 pick in the draft. You just you cannot do that. So true. So all right, let me ask you a question about the draft in yeah. general, not this one necessarily, but kind of. Um so in your opinion, when you have that high of a pick as your Eagles have in the very recent past. I don't recall. Is would you, would your position be risk mitigation or take the guy with the highest ceiling or do you like sacrifice a potential super awesome player for like a slightly lower ceiling but a higher floor like i mean those so those are three separate options right highest floor highest ceiling and then some combination probably so that's incredibly hard because you know i can answer one way but that answer you know I can I can make bombastic statements about you know you take the guy with the biggest upside because it's not my job on the line. Uh, I mm-hmm. like I like to think that that's what I would have done uh, in that situation. But I don't. Even, oh, but was but was that Robinson? I mean, right. Clown, why, Clown is uh, off the board. But then you guys like Khalil Mack, Mike Evans, uh, OBJ, Aaron Donald. I mean, granted the Rams did get Aaron Donald their second pick, but. There was a, a lot of high upside guys there. People thought, you know, people thought the world of Khalil Mack. There was a little bit of concern after uh, Aaron Curry was a giant bust, but, mm-hmm. but you know, those, I don't know. It's, Smaller school too for Mack, obviously. That's true. I, I I remember in that draft, I thought Mike Evans was the most can't miss guy mm-hmm. as far as like high floor, and I. Still think I would have done that, but I, I also understood. You know, when you talk about value of positions, I mean, if you get a good left tackle, he's worth. I mean, he can be such a surplus value for you for the, the, sure. the duration of that rookie deal. And if he becomes a superstar left tackle, then you've really got like you've really really saved money on this guy. Plus, he's in your system. He's in your 
in your organization and you're likely to, you know, keep him long term and you've got the franchise tag rights and all that. So, you know, and, and you've got Greg Robinson was a perfect confluence of a younger player with a super high ceiling. I think, I mean, I think we all sort of saw that. I'm not saying, but you know, of all those guys you mentioned, probably the lowest floor, right? Unquestionably. Unquestionably. Okay. How about this? Uh, Worst pick Robinson at two or Eric Fisher at number one. (laughs) <laughs> but that Eric Fisher draft was a disaster, wasn't it? Well, Joko I mean, goes Lane Johnson has been, has been good for us. I mean, yes, he got suspended hey, for 10 games. And that's an understatement. That hurts, but yeah, I mean, that was a weird draft. But uh, who was that? That Was was that Joe? No, obviously it wasn't Jokel. Um, Jokel was too in that draft. Was he? That's what I wanted to say, but then it didn't sound right to me. No, it was. It was Jokel too that year, and then Matthews goes the next year. Um, because mm. he stays because Jokel goes. So, right. so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think you could say that was a worse bust based on all, what you just said about all the great players around Robinson. Yeah. So, so uh, what's his name? Greg Robinson graded out. You care? Let's play a game here. You're familiar with the Pro Football Focus player grades, you know. What do you think Greg Robinson graded out as last year? In terms of ranking, in terms, or... in terms of overall number, you know, obviously they have a numerical value attached to them. Boy, for the full season, for the season, how how many games did he even start for them last year? First of all, uh, looks like he played in all but two games. <laughs> okay, so it looks like he played fourteen. Fourteen games yes. as a starting tackle. Um, Wow, is it is it above ten? It is. It is above ten, and you know, okay. we'll we'll give him the win for that. Greg Robinson, great. He graded out as a thirty-eight last year. He was a thirty-five point nine the year prior, and the PFF has him as the number seventy-one tackle of those players who were eligible. I legitimately thought there was a chance he might be closing in on the ten or worse. Like I remember back in the day when I helped grade some of that stuff. There was, I mean, negative values weren't absurd for really bad tackles. So um, it wouldn't have shocked me if he was trending in the 10-ish range. Well, I'm looking to see who the lowest rated uh, offensive tackle that actually got a ranking was, and it was uh, Seattle's George Fant. Some interesting names here at the bottom of the list. You have uh, Donald Stevenson from Denver, TJ Clemmings from Minnesota, Earl Watson from Jacksonville. They were awful. Ab- oh, absolutely. Greg Robinson, 71. Uh, Cedric Ogbui from Cincinnati, 70. Cameron. Ogbui, yeah. Yeah, Ogbui, whatever. Uh, Cam- <laughs> I, I'm not, honestly not sure which one's right. So uh, Cam-, Cam Irving, 69 from uh, Cleveland. Uh, nice. Brandon Albert, number 65. This is uh, a... Oh. There are some. Uh, yeah, we talked about that actually a couple weeks ago, didn't we, Brandon Albert? I believe so. Just being discussed in trades. Yeah. We did. We did. Villanova's own Ben Ajelana at uh, number sixty mm. should not be a tackle; he needs to be a guard. But uh, yeah, I don't know. He is. He is just <laughs> terrible. What would you do? Where Where does yeah. your preferences lie if you have a, an early pick and you're making the selection? I mean, I'll cop out and say I would do a combination, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think a lot of it, too, 
is football character and off sure. the field character. So like if you've got this super high ceiling player, but you know, you're concerned about efforts or you're concerned about, you know, um, you know, his behavior off the field or, or if he's had any incidents, you know, you, and obviously like ignoring some of the less important, mm-hmm. less serious ones. Um, you know, you just kind of got to look at that and see like, does this guy really like want to be a, a great player? Cause I think that that makes a huge difference to me. I mean, Definitely. if this guy's got high upside and really wants it, and is a good, generally a good person, which is not a high threshold in my opinion. But, um, you know, like those are the guys that I would be much more inclined to spend a high pick on. I'm not saying Robinson is or isn't those things. I I have no idea. I mean, I know that he doesn't really have the character red flags that others maybe do. At least we haven't heard about them. But, like, I related to a guy like Embiid, who is an outstanding character player by all accounts, wants to be an amazing player player mm-hmm. and seems to be a generally very good-hearted person so that to me that's the kind of guy that i would all almost inevitably like invariably spend a high pick on but you know if that, if that being said if that guy's not there and very often they're not i'll take the guy who i'm much more certain of just to keep my job sure 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 and uh i, I don't know who that would have gotten you in that draft does that get you uh mike evans, I think evans? yeah yeah, and Evans also had a, an extremely high ceiling and remains as an extremely high ceiling, in my opinion. Because it's not like this guy's like a six foot tall type, you know, like like dude towers over everybody. So, mm-hmm. um, but I do think if you compare it to this draft, and, and the reason I brought it up was like, say you're the Bears, right? And Ryan Pace maybe doesn't have more than two more drafts in him if mm-hmm. he blows this, and you know, and he's gotten kind of unlucky with guys like Kevin White. Um, and others, sure. uh, but he's also made some mistakes. So, do you go with? I mean, all right, this isn't—I uh, don't know. Like, so I, <laughs> he's never going to take a running back. But Leonard Fournette to me is like, without question, unlikely to fail. You know, yeah. like he might not be Adrian Peterson, but he's very unlikely to fail. So, say you're a guy. All right, say you're John Lynch or something. You don't want to strike out in your first shot. So, do you take a guy like Fournette instead of somebody? Like, I don't know, Jonathan Allen, who's got injury concerns, or some Trubisky. high, super high. Trubisky, exactly. Any of the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? That's a perfect question, a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Or like a guy like Solomon Thomas, who I think outstanding character, good size, good production, um, kind of iffy tape, obviously, like not a super clean prospect. Mm-hmm. I would be much more inclined to take a guy like that who has all the length and character things. He checked all those boxes rather than a guy like. I don't know, Taco Charlton or even Ruben Foster, I think, has some yeah. red flags up there. I Like, at the top few picks, I wouldn't make that move. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And by all accounts, uh, the 49ers are looking very hard at trading that number two overall pick. But, you know, we've we've kind of inter- entered into this interesting part of the year where we're going to hear a lot of stuff and you probably can't believe any of it because teams right. are putting out so right. much disinformation at this point. A lot of that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about who the Browns are going to take at one if they're sold on Miles Garrett, if they're still considering Trubisky. There's been some talk that Fournette's even in play at number one. Uh, there's been talk that Hugh Jackson wants a quarterback. There's been talk that, you know, the front office is split. To me, that sounds like they're trying to like lay the framework. Posturing. Yeah, I think they're trying to lay the framework for, you know, we know who we want. We want Miles Garrett. 
if somebody wants us to make a crazy trade offer, we will certainly entertain that. And if we float more yeah. names around potentially being the number one pick, then you know these guys are not available later on. If somebody wants to move up somewhere else, you know you obviously can't get you can't get Mitch Trubisky at number two with the 49ers if we're going to take him at number one. So I don't know. What do you yep. what do you think ends up happening? Does does anybody make an offer to the Browns that's good enough to jump down, or you think they just no? Sit I there? think that it's a really interesting question because like what to me when I first heard the Trubisky rumor, I was like. What are they doing? Because, you know, what, like, when you have the number one pick, you're on the clock. So yeah. there's really no point in posturing because in, in a draft that's widely considered like a one-player draft and then everybody else sort of, you know, like, I mean, to me, that that I, I just didn't really understand it at first. But the more I thought about it, the more I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, uh, maybe it's a way to extract, like, a third-rounder out of the Niners if they want your biscuit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they, there's, like, a, I don't know some kind of agreement where they they make that move and they know with the full knowledge that they're not going to take Garrett or, or, you know, maybe some other team wants to jump up and maybe they don't. Maybe the Browns don't love Garrett. I'm like literally every other person I've seen. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think that is the only way it makes any sense. The other thought I had, and I don't know, you're kind of in the Browns family now by uh. association. So, um, I wonder – if they're trying to trade down to get even more picks, which, again, they don't need them based on the thousands that they have, as we've talked about at Novian, but yeah. maybe they're collecting a few more to make one final go at Jimmy Garoppolo. What maybe, do you think of that? Yeah, you know, the other, it's possible. And uh, the stories have come out this week that the Browns seem resigned to the fact that they're not going to be able to trade for Garoppolo. You know, the other thought is that they just genuinely don't grade anyone in this draft that highly uh, you know past maybe Garrett but you know Garrett is not a position where they feel like they have an immediate need is they do have Nassib and Agba defensive end and that's perfectly solid you know Agba could potentially turn into a pro bowler Nassib I think is going to be a very good end neither one of them is going to be Miles Garrett but maybe you talk yourself into well you know maybe maybe we're going to just take a bunch of shots next year and next year is the guy where the year where we want one of these quarterbacks we you know we've talked about how great this class looks with the roses they're already gonna have that chance though aren't they are are they i mean they have one uh, first of all i think with the addition of garrett with zeitler and treader with their other free agent signings and uh another year of the progression of kessler who i actually like a little bit more then oh god so many stupid people in the nfl um <laughs> it's just anytime, anytime i get an update anymore it's somebody stupid in the nfl doing something the uh steelers yeah. cornerback uh sanquez golson caught with a gun and bullets at an airport because wow. that sure. seems very that seems like the place you want to have firearm and ammo on you yeah, yeah you should really have alcohol and weed too just to complete it but <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, maybe you know. I think that I think this is not a one-win team next year. I I think this is an anomaly that it was a one-win team this year. Numerous times they uh, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory late in the game, and uh, if not for a couple of field goals, they would have won two or three more games. So I think I think this is with the additions with Miles Garrett with a solid pick at twelve. Be you know whoever it is. I think this is a six. 
uh, I'm going to stop at six, a six win team next year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with, with a solid upward trajectory, given all the draft picks they have and all the young talent, I don't, I don't know that they're, no doubt. Be, I don't know that they're in position to uh, assure that they can get whomever that number one quarterback is, be it Darnold, be it Rosen, Jackson, Rudolph, whoever. I don't know. Maybe they just like next year's players a lot more. This is, you know, we know how the, the whole Moneyball aspect of Di Podesto and Sashi Brown works. They want to accumulate draft picks. They want to take as much, many shots at the dartboard as uh, as they possibly can in hopes of hitting that bullseye. And it's not a bad strategy, but when you're a team that's so desperately lacking an impact player and you have a guy like Miles Garrett staring you in the face, you don't overthink that. You just pull the trigger and add Miles Agreed. Garrett to your defensive line. Plus they have the 12, like you said. Like, I mean, they have the 12. They have the ability to move around. Mm. Um do they have two firsts next year? I know they, they have don't. like they, they have one. They have two twos. One first. Two I mean, twos. Three okay. twos. Well, Maybe three got twos a, next year. They're gonna have a ton of comp picks again because they lost Pryor and some other. Well, maybe not a ton. They probably lost a few based on yeah. um, the whole calculus. But you know, like <laughs> they have so many this year. They probably starting next year aren't gonna be in the business. I assume of taking a thousand shots at the dartboard. Like, but the the. the <laughs> fact is you've got to start putting blue chip players out there and miles garrett is the bluest of blue chip prospects as we know and so yeah you don't like you say you don't overthink it if you if you have fine maybe you don't find your quarterback this year and maybe you trade down a little bit from 12 and get another impact player and add a first next year so that you have two firsts and when you have two firsts you can move around like you can you can basically get to that number one get a chance at one of those quarterbacks and Mm -hmm. it's not darnold then it's Rosen, if it's not Rosen, then it's the Wyoming kid. You know, like it's, it's Josh Allen. Uh, Allen, yeah. Sorry, and um, you know, I, I think that it, like it, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to me to um, to trade down to lose yourself that blue chip guy unless you really feel confident that you're going to hit on somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know why or who that would be, but that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, and I mean, it brings it full circle. What is the reason why they would be floating Trubisky if they weren't actually interested in him? Because it's a quarterback, and quarterbacks have the most value in terms of trading up for someone. Okay. I, I just wonder, like, do they think— Or the Browns just love Mitchell Trubisky, and that's the guy they want leading their franchise for the next decade and a half. And, and honestly, if that's the truth, then they should take him at one. Because I right. I can't speak out of both sides of my mouth. Like— I've always said, if you have a guy, a quarterback that you think is that guy, you better get him. And especially if you have the number one pick, there's no point in messing around and trading down and all that. Like, if he's your guy, grab him. Yeah, you're right. And you bring up an interesting point with the number 12 pick because that does give them an opportunity to trade out if they don't like who's available and pick up an extra one next year. Now, you're going to have your your pick of teams to trade for who are going to happily give up a, a one. You just... Assume that they're going to be bad. That gives you another top 10 pick next year, plus your pick, plus three twos, I believe. That is certainly more than enough ammunition to to jump around in next year's draft. But I also think they're in a great position at 12 because they can just sit there and take whoever the guy is that slips. So true. I think the, I think the Browns are, if they don't do mm. anything, this is a one-time one. Yeah. If they just don't do anything, they're in the perfect spot to make to get two, like, serious core pieces to what felt when they're ultimately good and still have a couple seconds, I believe a couple thirds, maybe not a couple seconds, but, you know, 
couple thirds, a bunch of cop picks. Yeah. Like, in a very, very deep draft <clears throat> class, blood counts. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of days that they're in negotiations with Denver about potentially trading up from 33 to 20, and that would be the position where they would, want, they would want to get their quarterback. I would personally hope it's Pat Mahomes. That's the guy that I've really geared in on as a, as the player I think is going to end up being the best quarterback from this class. And he's mm, he's also such an interesting flip side of the coin from Cody Kessler, whereas yeah. Kessler is accurate and, you know, in the short term and conservative – Pat Mahomes has this giant upside, a huge arm, can make every throw. He's just should not be on an NFL football field for the next 18 months. Right, and that's why you see the teams like the Saints and Cardinals who are kind of in the middle of the round that don't need a quarterback maybe sniffing around Mahomes more than others because mm-hmm. he fits that kind of, especially the Saints, I think, and the Giants even, just perfectly where you can, you can sit him down behind these veteran quarterbacks for couple mm-hmm. years maybe one maybe two and then um and then let him kind of fly and and but i i totally agree with you and i you know we've talked at length also about hugh jackson and the respect that we have for him mm-hmm. and his ability to develop quarterbacks and i think that man i like i agree with you that mahomes has the highest upside probably like him and kaiser have the highest upside but i i would that would be an awesome fit i could totally see him working out with with jackson there what did he you, needs time, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. The, the issue is that he potentially gets thrown onto the field a little bit earlier than uh, than you would like if he does end up in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Very possible. I mean, I definitely like a Kessler. possibility. I actually like Kessler. I think he. I think Kessler's upside is is high end number two, low end number one, and for a third, like a Hoyer. Bridge guy. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe a, a a couple of hairs above that, but okay. Though I struggle to come up with a good comparison. <laughs> um, yeah, he's right there. Yeah, what are you gonna do? I, I can see that. Though. I don't want to. I don't want to say Andy Dalton. That's too easy. Uh, no. But uh, no. What did no, you think of the Deshaun Kaiser stuff uh, with Brian Kelly coming out and saying that? He thinks, oh, it's a, thinks it's a giant mistake for Kaiser to go pro. He's not ready. He needed to be back in school to keep working on stuff. Kaiser comes out today and gains. I love that a, kid. Me too. Gains just a ton of points from me by saying simply, "It's honestly the truth." Yeah, I, I mean, I'd make of it that Kaiser sounds like the coach and Kelly sounds like the twenty-year-old trying to make the NFL. Um, you know, like, I mean, I, Kaiser's got his flaws, you know, like yeah. he's not very accurate. He's, he, his 2016 tape looks worse than his 2015 tape. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in bench. He's, he hasn't had the best production, but I, I mean, hearing that come from him and, you know, granted it may or may not come from him specifically, but I love that he said it anyway, because yeah. you've got to put your pride kind of on the counter when you do something like this. And or say something like this, and, and I just I respect the hell out of him for doing it. And uh, you know Brian Kelly can sound saying, frankly, like you know he this guy's been trying to get out of there for out of South Bend forever, mm-hmm. just like he tried to get out of other schools in the past to get to Notre Dame, and um, the NFL has just kind of rejected him year after year. And so uh, I think that Kaiser's long term career in the NFL is much has a much higher brighter future than. Um, and Cowley's, but I, I, you know, I'm fascinated with where Kaiser ends up because I think those same exact teams that 
you said were in play for mm-hmm. that we talked about being in play for Mahomes should also be targeting someone like Kaiser. I I think Kaiser and Arians would be fun as hell in like two years to see if you know assuming Arians is still around if he could coach up a guy with that kind of athletic talent and um, you know that size. It'd be really fun to see uh, Kaiser in, in an offense like that, a creative offense. I'm going to make a prediction for you here, Mr. Kana, with Deshaun Kaiser. Ooh. Number 30 overall pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, wow. That would be – that's a that's a really good fit for him. Who, let me ask you this. Who do you think is quicker to the NFL with all things being equal, all scenarios, whatever? Who, Kaiser or Mahomes? Ugh. Like, who's more ready to be a starter sooner? That's so hard because the answer is neither of them. But, God, so so Kaiser, like you said, his accuracy scares me. Sub-60% completion percentage this year. Mahomes' yeah. footwork, and he's so he's terrible. He's so unorthodox. I'm going to – Not an NFL offense. Oh, no, not even close. I'm going I'm gonna to say Mahomes, but I wouldn't want either if I need a quarterback right away. No, I, I agree. I'm not, like, for sure neither of them is ready. I think we both agree on that. But um, And it's interesting that we're talking about these two guys in that way and not the guy who's only played quarterback for a year in Mitchell's <laughs> Trubisky, right? Like, I think, I, I think we would both – and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Trubisky is – if you need a guy to play this year or early 2018 – Trubisky is probably the one that you would go for, right? You think so? Because I would probably go to Sean Watson, honestly. Um, if we're just talking about no, no, some... of these three, I'm not. Oh, I'm, of, I'm I, putting... did, I didn't realize we we're limited to, limiting it to those three. Yeah, then definitely you go Trubisky if it's just those three. But you know, right. if, if I'm in a, a weird position and I need a quarterback to start Week One, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Watson. I don't think he's got the upside of the other guys, but I think he's a little Ooh. bit further along. Okay. I think Watson's QB1 for me in this class. Do you? I would take him above the others. Yeah. I mean, like, all right, let me let me backtrack as I want. All right. Want let to. me immediately go um, back to the statement you just made. <laughs> uh, redacted. Um, sure. No, I, I think that if I, had a, if I had a need in the next couple of years, like if I didn't have my quarterback in place, mm-hmm. Watson is clear-cut number one for me. But if I did, like if I'm in Pittsburgh situation – I think I go Mahomes and Kaiser. If I like Pittsburgh, I even Arizona. I think I would maybe go Watson because I'm not trusting Carson Palmer to be healthy for a full year. No, no, I, I agree. And with and and Giants are in the same boat as the Steelers. I think. I think the Saints are in that boat probably. Um, but like you're the Texans. Eh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's probably a toss up between Trubisky and Watson just because Trubisky seems like such a perfect fit for O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah, who's um, your who are your num- who are your five top quarterbacks? I mean, I think we can all agree in some order that you know Watson, Mahomes, Trubisky, and uh, and Kaiser are the four, right? Yep, that's that that's the order for me too. The oh, way so, you said it. And then can you repeat it because oh, I no. ju- I just said names. What what is your order? No, I'm that's wrong. I Trubisky, Mahomes, Kaiser. I'm sorry. Ugh, yeah, what? What? Watson. That could not could not way be off. further from way what you off. just said. Way off. All right, Watson's one. Okay. Mahomes is two. Okay. Kaiser, Kaiser is three, and Trubisky is four for me. How about uh, you? 
uh, I'm going to be completely different. I don't know if we have a single person in the same order, and I think that just speaks to how weird a quarterback class this is and how it, it lacks that top guy. But I'm gonna I'm conducting the Pat Mahomes trade right uh, train right now. I'm gonna go Mahomes, Trubisky, Watson, Kaiser. Okay. Who's your number five? Because this is when uh, things kind of fall apart. Yeah. Um. You know, everyone seems. I don't know if this is folks or not, but the Davis Webb thing is sort of weird to me. Yeah. I, mean, I don't. I saw him play. I don't think he's good. Yeah. I don't. I definitely wouldn't make him five. I wouldn't make Peterman five either. Um. I kind of like Kaya. Like, I think that just the skills alone, he's mm-hmm. got some humbly in him as far as, like, if you if, like he came into the year as a super blue chip type and then, um, you know, didn't have a great year. I like him and Dobbs both. I like Kaya and Dobbs. I think I'd probably say toss-up between those two. I'd probably go Kaya above Dobbs, though, and then both of them over Davis Webb and Peterman. Well, there we will agree because, uh, for me, Kaya is clearly the number five guy. Okay, yeah. I like the. Agreed. I I really like the the Josh Dobbs comment that came out from last week though, when uh, he was asked about whether or not he was going to be able to pick up, uh, pick up an NFL playbook, and I'm looking for the exact quote, but it's is absolutely. As you're looking for that, how much do you think the Dak Prescott success story is impacting the? Um, the draft stock of these sort of middling round types that played two or three or four years um, as a starting quarterback in Big Ten offense. I think people see that Prescott was an anomaly. Um, okay, interesting. It is kind, of, you know, it, it's very much a copycat league, but but I do think I think Prescott's the exception to the rule. Uh, so Dobbs was asked about his capabilities in terms of picking up an NFL playbook because apparently this has been a concern. Uh, his response was, my senior year, I was taking astronautics, propulsion, and aerodynamics classes in the same day. At the same <laughs> at the same time as the football season, when I was leading an NF- uh, SEC team, I think I can handle it. That is a badass response. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, Dobbs is my number five. Now. That's pretty <laughs> That's great. I love that. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, this... It's there's so much latent racism that goes into the yeah, scouting like process because we have guys Very like uh, you know my uh, my wonderful girlfriend here will swear to you that Penn's Alec Torgerson Torgerson sorry is an incredibly stupid human being as uh, she's had classes with him, but. Okay. But you know, this is this is a white guy who went, went to an to... Ivy League school. Sure. So right. he's going to get lauded as a guy who's going to pick up a playbook quickly, high football IQ, all sorts of stupid stereotypes. While every oh. black quarterback is athletic, but will have problems learning the playbook. Oh yeah, that's just ridiculous. And I mean, it's ridiculous for so many reasons. But part of it is just like. You know, regular intelligence doesn't necessarily translate to no. brilliance on the field either, right? Like, I mean, definitely not. race has nothing to do with it in some cases. I mean, it's so instinctive and, um, you know, like a guy like LeBron is a basketball genius. When you mm-hmm. see him on the court and the way things slow down for him and the processing, um, you know, he's, he's literally a genius. He's like a prodigy and he has been since he was young. So, you know, I, I, I mean, 
I know it's not the exact same thing, but I think that it's just silly to make that comp. And then obviously it's silly to, <laughs> to make, you know, sweeping assumptions about someone racially for that sort of way. Yeah. Point you're making. Uh, last football thing I want to talk about real quick is uh, that same team who I just predicted would take Deshaun Kaiser, apparently fascinated with Jabril Peppers at number 30. What do you think of that fit? I think it's a huge smokescreen, really? first of all, because why would you? I mean, there's no point in like telling yeah. an NFL reporter you know, that you're interested in a guy that's got a decent chance of being there. Mm-hmm. I, I First of all, I don't think he will be. Really? But, I, I mean, I don't think he'll be there at 30. That's interesting. I think he's got the weirdest kind of uh, ceiling and floor of anybody in this draft. Oh, okay. Well, there's a couple guys which we can talk about. But, I I mean, Jabril Pappers, to me, I agree, is pretty much the widest range. But I'm pretty sure we talked about this a few weeks ago. I don't see, like, a ton of clean prospects mm. um, as far as, like, oh, these guys are definitely going in this range and yeah. these guys are going in this range i mean there are very few the packers are at the 29 the eagles are at the 14 right 14 um i can only name maybe four guys i think have absolutely no chance of being there when the eagles draft like and then maybe eight that definitely won't be there when the packers draft yeah. I, like it's crazy to me and, and peppers is definitely one of those who i could see going you know 14 15 16 I can also don't, see him going 14, well into the please. second round. Please do not say 14. Oh, all right. Let's go that 15, range, 16. That general range. I think that, um, to answer your question directly, I think that he could absolutely fit in a LeBeau defense if mm-hmm. he's willing to get creative. I mean, he's used Jay's ear very creatively, and I know they're not really the same guy in any way, except for the fact that they can both cover and tackle. But, I, I mean, I think that Peppers is a super unique piece, and it's going to take the right guy to, to unpack all of that skill. But, um, he could be a real real asset, obviously. Cool. All right. Well, we've got like yeah, 15, 20, cool. <laughs> 20 minutes. So uh, so I want some other stuff I want to talk about. You know, it is the first week of baseball season, and all I want to say is Clay Buckholtz has a partial tear of his right flexor in his elbow, and he's going to see Dr. James Andrews. That can only oh, be good news, that, right? Uh, only good news. Um, you know, it's... Yeah, that's pretty. That's a tough one because I know that we we kind of talked about the fact when they made that move that Buckholz would be an ideal person to flip at a deadline. Yeah. Um, if you weren't compete, competing and get a like a long term asset, and that seems like it'll go by the wayside. Uh, tear and arm and pitcher don't go well together. Yeah, and anytime you hear Doctor James Andrews, you can basically just assume the yeah. guy's season's over. Yeah. Pretty much, unless your name's David Price, apparently. Uh, but well, or Chris Sale, depending on how it goes. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Easy. Sorry, Danny. Um. Yeah. So bad news for the for the Phillies. It definitely, he seems like he's going to be more Charlie Morton than uh, Jeremy Hellickson. Although Hellickson also pulled from his second start. Oh. Uh, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't look like as big a deal, but uh, he was ab- absolutely cruising. Gets pulled after five. And uh, that's all the baseball I want to talk about. All right, fair enough. Basketball, Anshukana. Last week of the uh, basketball regular season. Tonight's actually the last day of the basketball regular tank season. Tank watch. And, uh, yeah, tank watch is certainly true. Let me tell you, I was, uh, I was sitting here last night watching two basketball games on i have a a multi-screen display not to brag or anything 
But uh, watching two, uh, I was watching two basketball games that had significant importance to the Philadelphia 76ers in terms of their draft position. Watching the Lakers take on, God, I don't even remember. It was so bad. And, uh, and the Kings playing the Suns. The Lakers played Minnesota, um, I think. Anyway, at one point, there was just not one NBA-caliber player on the court between the two screens. Like, but that's just because you hate the Lakers. But yeah. I honestly, I've I've watched a lot of Lakers games lately because of you know there's a significant you know importance of, and actually they have locked the, into the number three seed, which means the Philadelphia 76ers have a 53.7% chance of receiving that pick from the Lakers, uh, which is Ew. excellent news. Very excited about that. Don't think it's going to happen because that's just the way it goes. But also thought that there's a if the Sixers did luck into the number one and number four picks. Like, there's never been a team that, at the same time, game one of the regular season, debuted two number one overall picks. That would be a lot of fun to, to see the 2016 uh, number one overall pick, Ben Simmons, debut with the 2017 number one overall pick. And 15, right? Where did Embiid go to? Embiid was three. One? Embiid was three. Oh, three, sorry. Yeah, yeah, because okay. he had the injury right before the draft. Would have gone number one right, in Cleveland. Right, right. The ramifications of that are also very interesting. If the Cleveland would have taken a healthy Joel Embiid, I don't think they would have made the Kevin Love trade. So that team would look drastically different right now. But I also don't think Joel Embiid would be the same player in Cleveland as he is in Philadelphia because he took those two years when he was hurt, and that really expanded his range. And it's created the, the three-point shooting seven-foot-two monster that we – Got to see for 31 games this season, but yeah, um, for sure. But it was this is just terrible basketball. For instance, the Kings tonight they're playing the Los Angeles Clippers, and <laughs> final game of the regular season, the Kings are resting Costa Kufos, Ty Lawson, Darren Collison, and Garrett Temple. All right, they need to keep that pick away from the Bulls as much as possible. So if they lose, I believe they go up into the nine or eight slot. Um, given certain events happening. I believe if they lose, they do. They secure the nine in terms of a lottery. Um, And if they fall out of the top ten, which is highly unlikely if they're nine, because, right, two teams would have to jump up into the top three, which is – but at ten, you know, it's possible. So, anyways, if they they need to lose that, where a team like the Nets, Benched all their players just so they can keep like a second rounder or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's well, they actually can't catch anybody else, so it's crazy why they're sitting five people tonight. You know, six is it six? A pity anybody yeah. who's going to watch the the Nets play this evening. Get ready for Sean oh, Patrick to take forty shots. Oh, I will be watching because the Bulls have to beat them to secure a playoff spot. Well, so that'll be. I don't think you terrible. need to watch that game. You can just assume that's a win. I know, is, uh, is Rondo playing tonight? No, but, no he's oh, well, he's 50 50. He's probably not going to, but they don't need him. They don't need anybody. They could have me and you trot out there and we probably win, frankly, because, God, the Bulls. I, w- I wish the Bulls. Nothing would honestly make me happier than them losing this game because I can't imagine their management surviving a lot, this loss. It's crazy to think of it coming down to one game like this, but yeah. it absolutely could happen. Because if you embarrass yourself on the last night at the United Center yeah. against a team of backups that was already the worst team in the league, man, that would be awesome. Well, and the Sixers finished the season in New York against the Knicks, and that game is going to tip off in about 23 minutes. The Knicks are sitting Carmelo Anthony. 
This is we, so we have very likely seen Carmelo Anthony play his last game as a New York Nick. Like you Ooh, would think, very likely. I think so. You would think they would at least okay. trot him out there to you know get a farewell game in front of the the Garden crowd. Well, okay. I didn't think. I don't think that he's going anywhere. Oh, I do. What makes you think that? I think they've been trying to move on from him forever. Now you're one year. Well, that's a fact. You're one year further in the contract. I'll tell you what. I think. I think he's going to be a Clipper. I really do. Yeah, I really, really do. And, and I think I think he makes a lot of sense there, because I think you would see more of a, an Olympic style Carmelo Anthony if he's playing with other talented players like Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, rather Is than Blake going to be there. I think so. I think they will be. Okay. I think they're okay. going to they're be back for one year with Carmelo Anthony. That's that's my prediction. But yeah, I don't think Melo's back with the Knicks next year. I think. Very interesting. Even if they can't trade him to the Clippers, I think they're going to try and give him away to pennies to anybody that wants him. Uh, that, I mean, that's possible, but doesn't he have to approve any deal or something I along those lines? I think like, so, but I mean... I'm pretty sure. I'm this, pretty sure. Because that's why Phil Jackson is having all those conversations with the Knicks. Yeah, like, you know, you have your rights, but we need to deal you to move the franchise on, and we're not building around you, so get out of here kind of thing. And he was like... No, I love New York. My wife loves New York, whatever. Lala? Lala loves New York? Yeah, I mean, this is clearly Chris Stapp's team at this point, and I think there's a little bit of reason for concern if you're the Knicks because it it seems like Porzingis played a lot better as a a number two option than he does as a focal point of a team. So I I don't don't know, man. I would... uh, The Knicks are so screwed. Yeah. They are so screwed. Noah's... Noah's contract is the worst in basketball. It, right now. It's, yeah, pretty bad. It's the worst, far none, because he's going to be there for four years, and he's already injured and suspended. And he's going <laughs> to get an operation. He's going to get an operation uh, on legs that he can't stand on anymore. And I, I love Josie Noah, to be clear. I, he's one of my all-time favorite players. But this dude is like they, they gave him. Big time starting center money, and he won't even get on the court. So that you know that hampers them for the majority of when Porzingis is actually affordable. I guess that the only person who's really in the same category is probably uh, a Marashik from from New Orleans, who is just bad. just sitting. I don't even remember the last time they played him. I was watching the Pelicans play. Actually, maybe the Lakers played the Pelicans. They that, might that's, play him this- that's who it was, I think. Um, okay. And they were, that was just. They're playing him tonight. It was Alexis Agents at time. Like, it was a showcase cool. for Alexis Agents. Well, the Pels are benching Cousins and uh, Davis. But they've, been, si- they've been sitting for a while. I think they've missed the last oh, two or okay. three games. Because when I watched, oh, it, was, it was the Lakers versus the Pelicans because I was watching Drew Holiday oh. play with nobody else. Why are you bothering with that crap? That is just awful. I mean, I got to watch the, I got to see the Lakers win. I I I got I got to see it. I've I've been more interested in Lakers games than I have been 76ers games over the last uh two and a half weeks I would say and I will just say that we are now a month and 4 days away from the NBA draft lottery and you know if I had my druthers it would be I go to sleep tonight. It's it's April 27th. You know, we we go through April the, the April 29th and then I go to sleep and it's March 16th. I don't. I just need. You're to... more excited about the NBA draft lottery than the NFL draft. So I said like, Lakers. I, I said April 27th first. 
Okay. Go to sleep tonight. Wake up for the NFL draft. Go to sleep after the NFL draft. Wake up for the NBA draft lottery. Oh, got it. Okay. I just uh, I want to know how this is going to break because it's just it stinks when that's that's what you have to root for. And I'm so happy that it seems like this is going to be the last time that I have to put up with this nonsense. Because I I can't remember the last time I enjoyed basketball as much as I did watching the Sixers in December and January. When they were just, you know, there was a a 10-3 stretch. They were playing great. You know, pundits were foolishly talking about the Sixers sneaking as an eight seed. It was, it was so much fun. I can't believe you would even want that. Just makes no sense to me. Well, I mean, it, if if the eight seed meant Embiid continued to be healthy all season and Simmons came back after, you know, when he was supposed to in January, and they went in, they snuck into an eight seed while still having the Lakers pick, I could oh yeah, I could be okay with that. They're definitely one of those teams that pro- kind of I don't know, oh, man. I'm sorry to make this count, but Ugh. they probably don't need to continue to accumulate a ton of ass young assets like. You could probably get away with one, maybe two more, but like the Browns, where the a team like the Browns yeah, please, also doesn't please don't really compare the Sixers like, to the Browns. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm very sorry, but uh, it is what it is, and so that's why I think like this goes back to what we were talking about last week a little bit, but you know I think that packaging two of those guys for a premier veteran mm-hmm. to kind of it's to help carry this team from one stage to the next would be a really really the right way to use those picks but you know i could be wrong i also like this draft so mm-hmm. i don't know what are, what are your thoughts on that uh if i have one and four i'm i'm gonna take faults one be thrilled with it and then you know like i said i'm gonna i'm gonna call chicago four. i'm gonna call chicago and say hey this is what my offer is you want to trade us jimmy butler and uh you know, I do. I actually do have some concerns about adding Jimmy Butler to this team. To be completely honest with you, because he is very much an isolation player, and that is completely opposite of how this team plays. They led the NBA in passes this season, so you know, and I do. I do worry about another alpha dog in there with uh, with Embiid. But you know, I, I would certainly, if you say, hey, next year you can put out a starting lineup of. And by the way, today Brett Brown came out and reiterated that. Ben Simmons is a point guard, not a point forward. He's a point guard. So your uh, your starting lineup is uh, Simmons at the one, Volts at the two, Butler at the three, question mark at the four, Embiid at the five. I'm cool with that. That's pretty good. And I think you could probably sign someone to be your four. You know, you could start the process of actually attempting to make the playoffs. That would be fun. Well, I think that's, especially in the East, I think that's more than a attempting to make the playoffs team, especially if you consider you think Embiid's going to stay healthy and uh, and you're not worried about Simmons, which I'm not at all worried about Simmons because I think he's been healthy sure. for about a month now. And just magically, oh, I... right before the last game of the season, Simmons has his scan and, and uh, oh, weird, it's, his, his uh, injury is completely healed now. <laughs> I think it would be really fun to see uh, to see another team kind of break into that group because you know I, I feel like the East has gotten a little bit stale. Like mm-hmm. it's fun that the Bucks are sort of around, but you know it's not as fun that they don't have Jabari. So it's yeah. like eh. um, it's you know you're getting like a little appetizer instead of a full meal. So um, 
I mean, I think it'd, it'd just be really good to see, A, see Butler go elsewhere and, and be on that team, and then, B, the Sixers have just sort of been hovering around um, and, and kind of getting getting clearly building the foundation uh, that we all expect to be, you know, a long-term sustained success type of team. And um, it'd be cool to finally see it break through next year because we haven't even gotten really, like, a warm-up to it. I mean, you said they had that 10-3 and three stretch, but mm-hmm. they weren't really, like, on the – forefront of you know of the basketball at that point and so I, I just like it'd be fun to see them sustain it for at least at least like a half a season but you had a guy like Butler and that's a complete game changer well not only would you be adding Butler to a lineup that you know it set the NBA record for the the most win the the highest percentage of wins from one season to another increasing the percentage of wins uh granted it's only going to be like 28 or 24 or whatever um but you would also be adding, in this scenario, two number one overall picks along with Jimmy Butler. Right, right. So that could be fun. Yeah, would, that could be fun. You know, that would be pretty fun and unprecedented, as you said. I mean, there's not, never seen anything like that. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's such first world problems at that point. But I do worry about, you know, like you said, Butler is going to be 30 next year. You, you worry about the window closing a little bit. But at the same time, Butler's probably – Got another, what, what do you think, two, three years of his prime? Oh, yeah. I mean, he came in the league late, too. I think that he's got plenty of time to be really, really good. And I honestly, I think he's only ascended every year. I, I know that his usage rate and his ISO rate have been off, gone up a little bit. But, mm. he's, you know, that's just one of those guys that I think you you just don't get many chances at, shot, at guys like that. So you take them where you can get them rather than just, like accumulating assets and and hoping you know dartboard shots you know it's not like football where you have 44 or 22 starters you know you've got a you've got four four or five of them and um and it would be really fun to see him get along with those guys and then as he's exiting you know you're starting to see Simmons and potentially Fultz and then beat into their prime so that'd be that'd be a really fun thing to see we've talked a lot about Harry Giles and uh, the bad season at Duke and the decision to come out do you think that the strong play of Scout Labissier is helping Harry Giles? Um, you know, maybe. I mean, I they're, they're very, very similar type of uh, stock when you talk about going entering the NBA. Um, I think that Miles Bridges not entering the NBA is going to be a major boost for Giles when you talk about, yeah. you know, players, but just the big men and the dearth of them in those drafts. And in general, um, I think that helps him more than anything, honestly. Yeah, boy, does uh, Michigan State get a real boon for getting Jackson back or Bridges back nope. next year with with Jaron Jackson coming in. All of a sudden, that's a team you're talking about as a national title contender. Absolutely, and um, as we see him stay, we see guys like Ananobi and Thomas Bryant testing the waters from Indiana. Well, everybody else, and everybody else in college basketball, well, other, other than pretty much everyone. Robert Williams. Absolutely. I don't really get why Bridges isn't at least testing. You know, like, what's what's the downside to that for him? I don't know. I guess he's just dead set on another year with Tom Izzo making a run. And, you know, there <laughs> there are worse things in the world than being a superstar athlete on a college campus. No, no question. That's very true. I also think that um, Bridges is, is a really interesting case to come back because, as I've said repeatedly, I think next year's draft is clearly worse than this year's. And a smart, younger player in this class going back 
could potentially boost his stock a ton, like a guy like Bridges. I think Dennis Smith would be well served to do the same, but um, you know that I, I you've made your point on that, and I think it makes sense. So really, you think, um, you know, think I, either one of those guys has a significant jump next? Where do we where do we see Bridges going? I think Bridges' floor is probably probably ten to twelve this year. Yep. I was going to say the exact same thing. Late, late lottery. And you Smith, know, I, I think that's Smith's a little floor. before that. Yeah, I agree with that. But so, I think both of them have the potential to leap up into the top three in a class. Oh, I don't, I don't know. One. I don't know. They're both. They're both. Uh, Smith, Smith more than Smith more than Bridges. I think Bridges is always going to be a little bit flawed as a prospect, just because he's kind of perceived as a tweener. I think the top three next year is going to be tough. It just projecting ahead with. Porter Jr., um, DeAndre Ayton, and uh, Luka Doncic, who is just sensational, um, playing in the EuroLeague right now as a as a 17 to start the season, now an 18 year old, and you know being one of the best players on his team. So I think I think the top three is tough. I also like Mo Bamba quite a bit, and I like um, mm-hmm. I like uh, Trayvon Duvall. So I I don't know Smith. I could see it. Especially if that NC State tra- team turns around a little bit next year, because then you start thinking about, okay, well, this guy was the number one player in his class uh, in this high school class that we're going to be seeing dominate the draft uh, this year. Yeah. So as he gets a little further away from that ACL, I don't know. I, 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 I think don't. Bridges, my point on Bridges was A, it's because he's lower. So I feel like inherently his stock can only go higher because. Mm-hmm. You're right. He does have his limitations. He is what he is. But I think if he cuts himself up a little bit, you know, yeah. like he needs to lose a little bit of that baby kind of chubbiness, I would say. And then um, if he shows he can shoot a little bit more consistently and shows demonstrates a little bit of leadership that you know an Izzo veteran generally does, I think you could see him just skyrocket. I mean, I, I really do think that he's got that kind of versatility um, where he's a big man that can step out and also handle the ball. Um, that that he is a very unique type of player to me in that way. Um, plus he's got that left hand, which mm-hmm. you know I think teams like, and and I think that you can see that his, his ability to go to the weak side could really um, be something that teams look for, and and it's something that maybe right now at twelve to fourteen you you get a complete steal with a guy like Bridges. Where next year I could see him certainly going to the top five, especially if Michigan State makes a big run. I mean we've seen these guys' stocks just explode based on title runs and uh i don't think that he's any different because he is a, he is a top elite type talent yeah and i guess there's an argument to be made on his behalf that he'll get to showcase his skills a little bit more next year than he did this year because with jackson, with jackson coming in and with other people coming back from injuries he won't be forced to play out of position uh should be right. the, should be the small forward for them next year and you know that that is probably his nba position given that he's six five and a half six six so yeah, I mean, I guess you really. Can say, I thought he was a little taller. Okay. Uh, we'll see what he's listed at, but we will. Uh, I don't think he's much taller than that, regardless. Do you do you think he's a? Uh, I mean, if he's a four, I thought he was cert- like six seven, six eight. Certainly an undersized four. I'm looking for the uh, for the Draft Express page, and he came in at six uh, six. Point three with shoes at uh, the USA Basketball in 2016. Okay, all right. So that's probably what he's at, right? Like yeah, he's probably, probably not growing much taller than that. More um, likely than not. I mean, he's going to peak at six seven, and 
Yeah. So this is a guy who's probably, you know, high 6'4s, low 6'5s without shoes. So, you know, if if he's a, if he's a 4, he's a very undersized 4. Maybe that's the way that the NBA is kind of going. But, you know, he's got to be able to show. He, he, he certainly helps himself quite a bit if he can come back, improve that three-point percentage, which, you know, admittedly, he shot the three pretty well this year at almost uh, 39%. It doesn't always yeah. look great. He doesn't always look like he's in rhythm, but no, agreed. But you know, you bump that up to you know forty-two, forty-three percent, and all of a sudden you're talking about shooting as a strength rather than a perceived weakness. And you're right. Oh maybe, yeah, maybe, absolutely. Maybe this guy is you know is the number four pick in the draft if he comes back next year. Well, with yeah. him coming back next year. Well, so my first, my reasoning for saying all this is my dream pick for the Bulls at you know fourteen-ish was Bridges. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that if he could somehow flip, that would just be awesome. Realistically, stream pick. And, um, you know, and, and going back, to me, I think they could potentially get him next year, but in the top five, especially with yeah. Butler. Um, so that, that's kind of disappointing in that way because, I like, I see the kid, and, and I think that, um, you know, I, you see his potential and what he could be, but you don't really even know what it could be because he is such a – it's just sort of a tough comp to make with him and to anybody. So um, I, I'm, I'll be really fascinated. I think it's a good call for him to go back. Last thing, real quick. Uh, what did you make of the Tony Romo Maverick stuff last night? <laughs> I loved it, man. I love Tony Romo. Um, I love – I can't wait to see him play for whoever he plays for next year, which <laughs> I think we can all agree well, that's going to happen. What, all right, let me ask you this. Yeah. Put the odds on him playing over 0.5 games for some NFL team next year. Over five games? Oh, God. Over 0.5. So him starting a oh, game at quarter oh, over 0.5. Okay, so he... Uh, I think... Okay, so I think it's going to depend on how early something... How early an opportunity comes up. Because I don't think... I don't think he's leaving the booth week 12 to go mm-hmm. to go be a quarterback for somebody. Oh, that's tough because, you know, he's not filing the retirement papers, clearly leaving yep. all of his options open. And it's so far, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. I, I mean, is it is it too just too easy to say it's it's a coin flip? No, I that's fair. I, I would have gone higher, though. I feel like it's like. 70% that he ends up on a team. Wow. Like, I, I fully believe that he's he's going to be starting a game for someone next year. Well, last night he almost got to play for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Mark Cuban, <laughs> yeah. Mark Cuban wanted to put him in the game with just over two minutes left and uh, apparently floated the idea, and uh, Adam Silver put the kibosh on it very quickly. <laughs> Well, he's going to get fined anyway for it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, he was—he wanted to put him in the game. He was actually up with talking to uh, to Rick Carlisle. Uh, I, I would have liked to see it, but it's also—I can also see where people think it's an insult. Dude, who cares, man? It's all entertainment. Like I get that. Oh, uh, like these guys have worked for it and whatever. But come on, like. Uh, but the problem is, though, that it is definitely a slippery slope because you could totally have yeah. a scenario where teams like the Nets tonight are resting all their players, mm-hmm. and you know you trot out Jay Z and like Beyonce, <laughs> you know, like 
truth to say that that uh, honestly why not right no, like cause they're clearly trying to lose the game that's certainly fair uh can i say you know obviously i am a big romo guy romo looked good in warm-ups looks like he handles hey. the ball well hey he's all state basketball wisconsin man looks like uh he's gonna help somebody on his local his local 35 and up rec team Fun fact about Tony Romo's yeah. high school yeah. basketball career, uh, real quick. He, I, I was just seeing it was old picture of him for the Wisconsin State basketball, you know, all first team mm-hmm. or whatever, all boys first team, and it was him. Some guy I didn't recognize, and then Charlie Villanueva and Karan Butler. I knew Butler. <laughs> I didn't know Villanueva. That's that's funny. Yeah, Villanueva too. Pretty cool. That is uh, that is very cool. He is certainly a, an incredibly talented athlete, despite the fact that you know he he looks like he's some guy who you know was just playing touch football at the park. Oh yeah, yeah. He, oh man, I love that guy. I, I really hope he plays on a good team. Like his team is probably my second favorite team next year. Honestly, just watching him out there. Well, you know, here's the scenario, Anshukani. E- no, don't do it. Don't even. I'm gonna hang up if I'm, you say what I think. What do, what do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to say Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, Tony Romo comes back to his home state, and then look, he, well, he beats up Brett Hundley somehow, and which won't happen, and uh, ends up playing and leading his hometown Packers to a Super Bowl. Look, I don't even know if Aaron Rodgers is going to play next year. Apparently, just distraught about the breakup with Olivia Munn. This this could be the end. It could be the last we ever see Aaron Rodgers. So I was would, I wrong about you saying that? I was Is that where you were going to go? I, look, don't don't worry about what I was or was not going to say. We'll we'll never know. But but yes, this was a it, it's an interesting scenario to play out for sure. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, it would be uh, it would be fun. But but yeah, Adam Silver gave a hard no to Mark Cuban, and uh, and probably the right decision at the end of the day though. It would have been fun. Yeah, slippery slope. Very, very slippery slope. So next week we will be very, very, very close, uh, just a couple weeks away from the NFL draft when we get back here to talk next Tuesday. So I would expect a lot of NFL draft talk. Things are starting to get crazy. Look forward to what we're going to have to talk about. And uh, for today, this has been Episode 20 of the Deepish Thoughts Podcast. I've been Chris Horbordelli. He's been Anshu Thanks for listening, thanks for rating, and uh, we'll see you back here next week.